Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Start your weekend off right. This is BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Let's do it, friends. We are down the home stretch of the college football season. Plenty to talk about as we're now just two weeks away from conference championship games. And knowing what the CFP will look like as that continues to get hammered out each and every Tuesday, live coast to coast on the BetQL network. Welcome in to BetQLU. I'm Chris Mack alongside RJ Choppy and Kayla Canera. And we are also wherever you may be in the world on your Odyssey app. Take us with you, whatever you're up to, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Download it today. Subscribe. You'll get the podcast episodes delivered right to you as soon as we are done. And you can hear us live every Friday night, 11 Eastern, 8 Pacific and every Saturday morning, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, as we get you ready for another week of college football action. It's the, the whole idea of what we do, guys, is fun. You know, as our friend Nick Costos likes to call it, wagertainment, right? Um, and that's what we do every week. We have fun. We make bets. Um, and I, I think we've had a blast this year. Um, but I, I really quickly, just for a split second, for a moment, um, wanted to, to just for you know, mention um, everything that happened in Charlottesville this past week, the University of Virginia, and just say, I, I think I speak for all three of us, but if you guys have anything to add, by all means, jump in. Uh, when we just say our thoughts, our prayers with everybody in Charlottesville, everybody attached to uh, the University of Virginia, especially the football team and the athletics department. Um, all too often we see these things happen and we're becoming all that much more numb to these events, I think, unfortunately. But uh, University of Virginia football team has canceled their game this weekend. Uh, questions still remain about whether they'll play the final weekend of the season as well. But um, we are uh, obviously all thinking of them this weekend after the events of the past week or so. And I think that sums it up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Right there with you. Been praying for these students, families, friends all week. And uh, it's a senseless tragedy. It is so sad. I don't know why this keeps happening, but it didn't need to happen. And these were three young bright talented men and it's just it's it's devastating yeah heart so, goes out yeah, to and then the, at university of virginia yeah absolutely and then the, then the other the, the the rest of the players of the team i mean they're now they're dealing yeah. with the trauma of this for the rest of their lives i mean they're not gonna go a day without having something you know kind of remind them of this and it's just it's awful yeah so again our thoughts our prayers uh everybody here at the betql network at odyssey 
I think everybody in the sports media can can speak with one voice and say our thoughts are with everybody at the University of Virginia this week and beyond in their time of grieving and mourning. Now, let's get back to what we love to do, which is talk about college football. And this week in particular, as we roll from week 11 into week 12, let's start with what we learned in week 11. Senor Choppy, I let you start us. What did you learn in week 11? I learned that if you have a half a brain, you never trust Steve Sarkeesian. Never, ever trust Sark. All right? Steve ne- Sarkeesian. You know what? Agent of chaos. This wasn't even, a, this wasn't even about <laughs> TCU. All right? Now, TCU played a heck of a game, but this had nothing to do with TCU. This was about the most disappointing athletic department, the most disappointing football program in college football history. The University of Texas. The University of Texas has the most money, the most students, the most talent in their state, the most resources of anybody, and they have one title since Vietnam. And it took Superman to do it. All right, it took Superman to get them that title, and it was and they were getting destroyed in that game. And if if USC doesn't lateral at the five yard line, they probably get get blown out. This is the most disappointing. I'm going to go on the rant here. This is the most disappointing. Oh, you're already there, my man. You're already there. (laughs) Yeah, it's sports. It's the most disappointing program, athletic department, whatever you want to call it, in sports. There is no reason that the University of Texas puts out that, that, ever. And they do it year after year after year. They ran Mac Brown out of town. Mac Brown's about to have the number one pick in the draft at quarterback in a couple of years. Uh, I mean, he, he might win a title there. I don't know. But they're a better program right now than Texas is. And Texas is not like their 19th coach. You think Arch Manning is looking at this like, man, I can't wait to get a part of that thing. I mean, it, what a dumpster fire it is. And that, that's what I learned. I learned never trust Stark. And that's the most disappointing athletic department in the world. I'm sorry I took up so much of your time. The stars <laughs> at night are I'm not. again bright. Deep in the heart of Texas. Kayla, what'd you learn in week 11? Well, I don't know how to follow that. <laughs> how but, do you top uh, that? Yeah. <laughs> I think what Texas need is, needs is uh, Coach Kyle Taylor to come in and turn things around. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's a Friday Night Lights reference if you didn't get it. Uh, mm-hmm. I learned that Bama and Tennessee are still really good football teams um, and are able to bounce back after tough losses. And unfortunately, it came at the hands of my Missouri Tigers in a humiliating fashion. Thanks a lot, Falls. Uh, but I think my biggest takeaway was – the Ducks, whose playoff hopes were dashed in a matter of a few minutes after going for it on fourth down, not converting, that resulted in Washington getting that go-ahead field goal. Having a banged up Bo Nix, who was briefly out of the game, certainly didn't help anything. But guys, this was a team that last week we were talking about potentially getting into the playoffs, and now they've dropped six spots, sitting at 12th. USC gets bumped up to 7th, and the best they can hope for at this point is the Pac-12 championship. So I was hoping the Ducks could make a run, but this definitely shook things up in the Pac-12. Yeah, Pac-12 elimination chamber of sorts Saturday night. We'll get into that, both of the big games, a little bit later. But you're right. Oregon had the lane laid bare right in front of them, Kayla. And they swerved off the side of the road into a bridge abutment. Um, I learned nothing beats, and I guess this is more this week's uh, lesson for me than last week's. But what the heck? I'll throw it at you. Nothing beats the pure, unadulterated bliss of snow-covered midweek 
red hot action mm-hmm. on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. The snow's coming down in central Michigan. You got a couple of directional Michigans playing each other. They can't see the sidelines. They can't even see the sticks uh, 10 yards out, much less the end zones down at the other end of the field. That's the kind of stuff I know we were hoping to see it this weekend with the Bills and the Browns, and they decided to divert that game to Detroit. Not to get way off topic, but I was hoping to see that this weekend. We got a little taste, a little preview of it. It whetted our appetite for it Tuesday and Wednesday with the Maction that took place. And the games actually ended up being fun to watch, too. That's the one thing about the Mac is they get that sort of – they get the primetime spotlight all to themselves late in the year with those Tuesday and Wednesday night games, and they took full advantage of it, giving everyone – college football in a snow globe this week and it was fun to watch just reminds you of the the pure unadulterated joy and bliss uh that you can get out of college football same thing on tuesday night uh as far as the cfp rankings go same top four same top five really uh georgia ohio state michigan tcu tennessee five with oregon losing as kayla mentioned lsu jumps up to six southern cal up to seven bama eight clemson nine utah at ten so let's start with this as we start to look at the path towards the top four. I've talked to some people this week who think this could end up being the top four. I think the loser of, of the Ohio State-Michigan game has a fair chance to drop out if it is, in fact, Michigan. Ohio State may not drop out if they lose to Michigan in a tight one, certainly. But let's start with the team on the outside looking in, RJ's Tennessee Volunteers. And RJ, can the Vols get back in simply by just supplanting the loser of next weekend's Ohio State-Michigan game? I think if the losers Michigan, they can. Uh, yeah, I, I think the I think the committee will, um, will will find a way to get Ohio State in there, um, whether that's deserved or not. I, I think they will. Uh, I, I do think that uh, for me personally, I need like three losses here to feel safe. I need a USC mm-hmm. loss. I need a TCU loss, and I need a Michigan loss. Uh, you know, if I get if I get if I get just a TCU loss. You know, I, I think there's a chance that that if it's Ohio State that loses that game, they could stay in. Uh, yeah. If not, you know, then then I feel okay about it. If it's just Michigan losing, I still want USC to get knocked out somewhere along the way. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think they can certainly get in. Remember, remember, uh, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, the committee thought Tennessee at undefeated was better than Ohio State undefeated. So if they both have one loss, maybe they feel the same way. Um, you know, Ohio State's loss would be a home loss, which right. uh, I think is worse than a road loss, even though it was really not competitive. So it's it's tough to say, but I would assume they're okay. Kayla, what do you think if if for example Michigan beats Ohio State in a tight game? Maybe it's a walk off field goal, maybe even in overtime. Is it more likely we get two Big Ten teams in the Final Four in that case, and Tennessee somehow gets? shut out, assuming TCU wins out and Georgia wins out. Essentially, we're, we're asking the question, I think, does the combo of Ohio State and Michigan have to lose twice for Tennessee to get back in? Ooh, this one is tough. I, RJ, I would love nothing more than for Tennessee to get in. I think they've showed who they are this season. They're a great team, uh, just despite that Georgia, blo- Georgia loss. I hope that they have convincing wins over South Carolina and Vanderbilt that will help that resume, but not the greatest teams to uh, hang your hat on. Um, I'm personally banking for TCU to drop one so that Tennessee can somehow get in because that's a great, great, great question. I don't know 
how the Ohio State Michigan thing is going to work itself out. Um, then we'll have two SEC, two Big Ten. Is that going to be fun for the rest of the country? I don't know. Probably not. Um, right. I I don't know. I I'm pulling for Tennessee to get in, but I agree with RJ. I think out of those two, they're definitely going to try to keep Ohio State in the mix somehow. Um, this is such I don't know. This is such a uh, mind-boggling situation. I can't even figure it out, but it's it's definitely going to be entertaining nonetheless to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, and Saturday night, obviously, the Pac-12 has something to say about this because if we work our way down from Tennessee at five, ah. we get to LSU at six, Southern Cal at seven. And then the question there is, can a Southern Cal win against UCLA help them leap an LSU team who's favored by two touchdowns and a hook at home against UAB? So if USC should beat UCLA, 18th in the country, 16th in the country, pardon me, by 10 by a couple of touchdowns, maybe even. I don't think it'll be that big, but let's say that happens. Uh, and LSU doesn't quite, maybe LSU doesn't cover against UAB. Let's play that scenario out. Is there a college football playoff hope, RJ, for the Pac-12 outside of, you know, multiple top four losses and a Tennessee loss? And again, they have South Carolina. They're on the road at South Carolina yeah. this Saturday. Yeah, there, there's a there's an opportunity for them to get in there. I think the committee uh, has shown they kind of like the Pac-12. They had three teams in the top 12 mm-hmm. last week. Um, you know, so I, I think they've shown they like it. But uh, you know, USC is as they're they're a huge brand, and, and and this is a I don't know how big of a brand they are. Na- I mean, certainly they are in LA, but like, I don't know how big nationally they are um, compared to like you know a Michigan or an Ohio State, which is this. I mean, they're global icons. Um, but still, they're just a name, and I, I think the committee would love, uh, you know, this is a TV, this is made for TV, so they would absolutely love the LA market. There's no doubt about it. So I, I think you have to play into all these factors. I, I think they, I think the USC is is a uh, is a really viable option for the committee to put into the Final Four. So Kayla, let me ask you this: because you were you were a champion of Clemson early in the year, Clemson now number nine in the country, Fraudson as producer Zach labeled them, and we've stuck with that. Um, The long and winding road for them to somehow end up in the top four probably includes winning out, including over UNC in the ACC championship game. Ohio State and Michigan combining for a pair of losses along the way. TCU losing, Tennessee losing again somehow, and the Pac-12 champ having two losses. Is that at all realistic? Easy peasy, lemon squeezy, yes. No, uh, it is highly unlikely that my Clemson Tigers are going to make it in the playoff. And I've accepted that. Um, like you just said, a lot has to happen. I would love to see them make a run, but I, I think those playoff hopes are dashed for Dabo and the Clemson Tigers at this point. That's a lot of RJ, stuff that needs to that, go on. That's a lot of dominoes that, yeah, need to fall in just the right <laughs> to, order. Exactly. Yeah, it is. Yeah, RJ, you mentioned Drake. You alluded to Drake May earlier and talking about the job Mac Brown has done at Chapel Hill. Is there any way at all North Carolina, if they win their final two regular season games and then beat Clemson in the ACC championship game, if all this chaos happens, could they be the t- team that takes advantage of it with one loss out of the ACC? Man, I don't see it. I, I don't. I don't yeah. see how the committee would view because they they look at strength of record. They look at. Um, you know, I guess they don't technically look at game control, but they kind of do look at game control. Uh, do they look at these other metrics like the SP plus and all that stuff? And, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't really have, you know, there's, there's like four or five teams and there's, then there's a gap 
in all those. I don't I don't yeah. see how um, you're going to be able to get like like you know convince me a one loss North Carolina or Clemson you know beats a one loss Michigan or Ohio State or Tennessee. Right. You know, I, I don't see how that happens. I, I don't know how the committee no. would be able to justify that. That's a good call by you. Uh, Maryland sports fans, we've got you covered. Yes, sports betting is coming. It's next week in Maryland. Mobile sports betting. We want to get you prepped here at BetQL to win big. The BetQL Network hosting live shows at BetMGM National Harbor Sportsbook all weekend, including Monday. You can watch the USA's World Cup opener that afternoon, followed by Monday Night Football, Arizona, San Francisco, with all your favorite BetQL personalities, including the guys from You Better You Bet. Uh, That all going down this weekend at BetMGM National Harbor Sportsbook. Coming up next, four teams enter, but can one come out a playoff candidate? It's the Pac-12 Elimination Chamber. We talk about both of those huge games Saturday night out west. And, yes, yes, Kayla's Mizzou Tigers did something by way of association that no one else has done recently. We'll explain. It's all on the way alongside RJ Choppy and Kayla Canaram. I'm Chris Mack. This is BetQLU. This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris, and Kayla. Here on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Back to BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Yeah, welcome back in. I'm Chris Mack. He's RJ Choppy. She's Kayla Canaram. You can see us if you're watching us on YouTube or on Twitch, twitch.tv slash BetQL, or you may just be listening to us across the BetQL network and on your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Maybe you're listening to the podcast. However you consume us every single week, we appreciate you doing so as we rip through a, a slate of, well, let's see. There's big games, and then there's what's happening in the Pac-12. Uh, We'll get to all those games. A little Heisman heat check before we wrap things up today with some big numbers. One record-breaking small number. And, of course, our best bets as well, all coming up here on BetQLU. Before we get to uh, something Missouri did by association, I'm sure you'll be very proud of this, Kayla. Uh, Before we get to that, before we get to another game that we think should be a walkover for a top-ranked team, before we get to someone down in the Metroplex in RJ's backyard who's already got some things sewn up, let's start with the madness out west. Uh, the Pac-12 race, still an absolute free-for-all for the most part. Five teams are within a game at the top of the standings. ESPN's SP Plus ranking currently gives Utah the best chance to win the conference, 36%. Oregon, 29%. USC, 27%. The Bruins of UCLA, just 7%. And Washington's still alive, technically. The Huskies at 0.4%. With all that said, let's go to LA. 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific kick on Fox. Number 7 Trojans against number 16 Bruins. USC favored by 2.5. Big old fat total. Biggest total on the board this week, 75. It's great to have this rivalry back, guys, because... Between 78 and 88, these two teams met seven times in those 11 seasons. 
as ranked teams. It's only happened six times in the 34 seasons since. You've also got two great offenses, UCLA, uh, fifth in rushing success rate, 16th in passing, USC, fourth in rushing success rate, sixth in passing, and the defenses are porous. Uh, Their success rate allowed both rushing and passing, all of those rankings, 100 and above. So all of that said, with USC covering the spread six times in 10 games to this point, UCLA uh, going over more often than not this year. I'll open the floor to you first, Kayla. You're out there in Southern California. What's your read being with the, uh, those two teams in your backyard, Trojans and Bruins, Saturday night? I am one with these two teams out here, yes. The good old Crosstown showdown. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, the stat where this is like the 12th time these two teams have faced off while both being ranked and they've gone six and six in those meetings. This has also always been a pretty back-and-forth matchup with UCLA dismantling USC just last season and then while USC handled them the year before that. So I think what I'm trying to say here, guys, is good luck. Um, I feel more confident in the fact that USC has a lot more to play for in this game um, as they are still fighting for that playoff spot. Caleb Williams has put this team on his back. He's gotten little help from this USC defense, and they're still 9-1. and one. And for what it's worth, UCLA's defense is not great either, but – both of these teams have covered the spread in six of their 10 games, um, but only one of these teams has that small but realistic shot at the playoffs. So I like the Trojans to cover here at minus two and a half. As for the total, this is absolutely huge for being a rival game. I'm aware neither team is great at defense, but my gosh, this is high. USC has exceeded this total four times, however. Uh, USC, UCLA has only reached it twice. Part of me kind of wants to have some fun and take the over, but I think I'm leaning the under of 75 in this one. Okay. Yeah, UCLA, seven of their 10 games have gone over. Uh, USC, seven of their games have hit the over as well. Against the spread this year as two and a half point or better favorites. USC, five and four against that spread. I have a feeling this is going to go down to the last possession. Simply whoever has the ball last walks away the winner. RJ, what do you look at with this one? Well, uh, I do like the over in this game. Uh, I know it's a lot of points, but man, this is one of those things. This could this could be over by the end of the third quarter with uh, with the over, right? Um, I don't have a great feel on the line. Uh, I, I see what Kayla's saying that you know USC is the only team that has anything to play for, but you know this is a really underrated rivalry in terms of the hatred that these two you know programs have for each other. I can't wait till they're sharing charter flights uh, in, in a couple <laughs> of years when they join the Big Ten. That's going to be really cool to see. Uh, but yeah, this is, uh, I don't have a great feel on the number, so I would stay away from the number. I know I, I think the computer models I saw like UCLA plus the two and a half, but I'm going to stay away from that. I'll just stick with the over 76 and a half. I know it's a lot. I know it's a lot of points, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going I'm to, and I usually bet the under because I hate, I'm a miserable person, but I'm going to go the over here and have some fun. Yeah. I, I, got See, a I usually bet the over we're trading one. spots. Yeah, that's hey, hey, it's that time of year where you start to go a little contrarian to see if you can't make up for some past losses here and there. All right, as this one is wrapping up, they will be hurtling towards the two minute warning or halftime in Eugene, where number 12 Oregon hosts number 10 Utah, 7 30 Pacific on ESPN Saturday. Two meetings between these two teams last year within a three-week span, and Utah dominated both of them, led by a combined 51-0 at halftime of those two games. Cruz, 38-7 in the first one, 38-10 in the second one. Big line movement in this one, though, as people are trying to get a read on Bo Nix and his injury and his availability. Overnight, Wednesday night, into Thursday morning, this thing moved five points 
from Oregon Ooh. minus three to now Utah minus two. Oregon first in rushing success rate in the country. Bucky Irving, Noah Whittington, over 1,400 yards combined, six touchdowns. Utah's run defense, 100th in rushing success rate allowed. So with or without Bo Nix, you would think the Ducks will focus on running the ball. Maybe that brings you into the under, brings that into play. Um, I'm looking at, again, I, th- this this touches me as a field goal game, guys. RJ, how do you read Utah-Oregon? Uh, I think a lot of it does, you know, hinge on Bo Nix and all that. But, uh, you know, it. listen, I, I, I think Utah is a, is a really tough opponent. Um, they're, they're obviously much more difficult uh, at home. But, you know, they matched up really well with USC. I, I had a buddy who went to USC. He's like, there's no way we beat Utah. They do, they do well what we don't. And, and he was mm-hmm. right. And, and, and I think Utah minus the two here, I think it's a good play. Um, I, I kind of like the under in this game. Uh, I think this is kind of going to go the kind of the route that um, the, uh, the Washington game went where it's, you know, like, you know, one team scoring in the low thirties and then the other team is going to be in the, uh, in, in, in the mid twenties. And, and, and I think that we'll hit the under here. Yeah. 60 and a half is the number right now at bed MGM, Kayla, Utah, Oregon. There's, I don't know if there's still a legitimate path for either one of these teams with two losses into the playoff, most likely not, but they can play spoiler, not just for the other guy Saturday night, but then if USC should get past UCLA, there's a chance to get into the Pac-12 championship game and get to ruin the Trojan season as well. Yeah, Chris, as you mentioned, I know things didn't go great for the Ducks last season in this particular matchup, taking the L in both the regular season and then again in the Pac-12 championship. But that was then, this is now, I'm still high on the Ducks despite that loss last weekend. Uh, The last time this game took place in Eugene, the Ducks won 41 to 20. Yes, it was a few years ago, but still. Uh, Oregon is seven and three against the spread this season. And this spread is low enough to where I feel okay in taking the ducks to cover at home. Obviously the biggest concern is whether or not Bo Nix will play after that knee injury, as you both have mentioned, but by all accounts, he should play. They said this week, he's preparing himself as if he's a go. So if that is in fact true, I like Oregon to cover. If he's out, then I might be changing my mind. TBD. Um, (laughs) but the ducks have said they aren't worried if he is out next man up. But when money is on the line, you know, I don't know if we're taking that bait. As far as, as, far as the total, I'm going with RJ here. Uh, Utah loves racking up the score at home, not so much on the road. They haven't broke 34 points. Then you've got the Ducks, who have put up no less than 34 at home. So the under has hit in five of the Utes, 10 games, and four in Oregon. So when you factor in that uncertainty at quarterback for Oregon, I'm leaning the under in this one. Yeah, I, I think we're all on the same page in these two Pac-12 games in that it's hard to get a feel, especially in this one because of the Bo Nix injury, it's hard to get a feel for the spread, especially when they're field goal games. Uh, and that's what these are, especially when you see such a big five-point swing in the spread uh, near the end of the week as we have with Utah, Oregon. But the total is attractive. In the UCLA-USC game, for RJ and I, the, the over was attractive, even at a, at a big, fat mid-70s number. This one at 60 and a half, I think we all lean probably under as well because we know what Utah, I think, can do to control the pace of games. And again, if Oregon's going to be without Bo Nix, they probably lean on the run game as well and perhaps slow this game down. 
either way, Pac-12 Elimination Chamber. Uh, if you're on the East Coast, you stay up late and enjoy it. If you're on the West Coast, you just enjoy the fact that the focus is on your teams this week. Much earlier than that, 12 Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. It's the big noon kickoff on Fox, number four TCU at Baylor. Total sitting at 57 and a half. Relatively low, you would think, for a Big 12 game. TCU only favored by two and a half to Kendra Miller, 100 rushing yards or more, five consecutive games, seven of his last eight, plus a rushing touchdown in 11 games in a row. Baylor has done fairly well on defense against the run, though. On the other side of the ball, though, uh, they have not done well. Blake Shapen averaging only 177.5 yards passing over his past four games, just two touchdowns to five picks. Against the spread is two and a half point or better favorites, which TCU is. They are 6-1-1 one, and one this year. Kayla, does TCU stay undefeated and stay in the CFP conversation? I'm going with yes against Baylor, and I'm actually a little surprised this one is so close, but I feel good in taking TCU to cover. Baylor has faced three ranked teams so far this season, and they've taken the L in all of those games, and TCU is by far the highest ranked team they will have faced. Um, one of those ranked teams came just last week into that ugly loss to K-State. 31-3. to I hope they make it more competitive, but... I think the Horn Frogs should have a sure win here. Max Duggan is clicking with his Sunny Dykes offense. And last week, the defense prevented Texas from getting in the, uh, in the end zone. Uh, their touchdown was because of a fumble. So I don't think the Bears stand a chance. As far as numbers go, TCU is 8-1-1 and against the spread this season, which includes four straight covers. So this is an easy one for me. I like the Horn Frogs at minus 2.5. And, um, and this total feels pretty low for a Big 12 game. Yeah. Plus six of TCU's 10 games have hit the over while the total has gone over in seven of Baylor's games. So moral of the story, I definitely like the over in this one. Yeah, six of TCU's 10 games have hit the over so far this year. Uh, and again, 57 and a half, as Kayla pointed out, pretty low number for teams that have put up points this year, RJ. Uh, what's your take on TCU? I know you've had your doubts about them this year, but they've held strong over the last month, month and a half. Uh, they have. They've held really strong. And they now, until Baylor lost 31 to 3, I thought for sure this would be the game they win. That 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 they that TCU finds themselves uh, on the short end. Uh, it, it's it's a, it's a good rivalry. Uh, Baylor is a is a, is a very tough opponent. They, they they really these two programs really don't like each other. Um, there, but that game last week threw me off. It, it just threw me for a loop. Uh, so I like TCU as well uh, in this one. Uh, I don't really have a uh, – I, I would think the under probably hits in this only because Baylor's offense is, I think, a little bit broken right now. Um, yeah. And, you know, TCU did not exactly put up a great showing offensively, uh, even though Sonny Dykes is a is a really good offensive mind, uh, a really good coach. I, I like I like TCU to cover and win this one, uh, and then we'll see what happens in the Big 12 title game and if, uh, if, if they can stay undefeated and make the final four. I'm all over TCU in this in this spot. I mean, only having to give two and a half, even if they get out of there by the hair on their chinny chin chin with a, a late field goal or something. Even if they have to go to OT, if they get get out of there with the dub, then I get out of there with a few extra dollars. Um, and I do think with all the motivation on their side of hey, if we want to get to the playoff, we know we got to stay undefeated. I do like the Horned Frogs in this one. A couple of games with big spreads involving teams that are currently in playoff position I wanted to touch on real quickly. Saturday, noon Eastern, Illinois uh, getting 18 at number three, Michigan. We were texting about this one earlier in the week. 
Uh, and then number one, Georgia Lane, 22 at Kentucky. Will Levis has been a disaster since coming back from that injury in those three games, three touchdowns to four interceptions. Kentucky lost to Vandy, the Commodores' first conference win since 2019 when they beat – sorry, sorry, Kayla. Uh, But real quick, (laughs) um, I'll let you start. Just a quick take on maybe either one of these games, or if you like either one of these spreads, Kentucky to cover, maybe Illinois to keep it tight between uh, number one Georgia at Kentucky and number three Michigan hosting Illinois. I'll go first. <laughs> I don't know if oh. you delegated. Um, I For Illinois-Michigan, I think Illinois can keep it within those 18 points. So I am leaning Illinois to cover in that one. However, with Georgia-Kentucky, I'm sorry. When you lose to Vanderbilt, I just can't take you very seriously. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I feel like Georgia is going to be playing for a convincing win to keep themselves atop the CFP ranking. And as you said, Chris, unfortunately, Will Levis has not been the quarterback that Kentucky fans hoped he would be due to that faulty O-line and injuries. Um, so I'm I'm leaning for Georgia to cover in this one at minus 22. And fun fact, guys, which game Georgia was uh, held to their lowest points this season? That would have been Missouri. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was Missouri. Yeah, we got RJ. it. RJ. <laughs> RJ, real quick, <laughs> Illinois, Illinois or Kentucky, does either cover? Uh, Illinois covers. Illinois covers the 18. Okay. Uh, they don't win the game, but they cover the 18. And I'm with Kayla. I don't think uh, Kentucky. I'm not trusting you. Either's to Vandy, you're out. Yeah, yeah I, I think they both get blown out, actually. I think Michigan shows out. And even in a game that comes under a really low total, they still blow out the Illini. Coming up, crowded Heisman Field. One guy getting nearly 10% of the bets, though. Plus, we get you some big numbers. One record low number, lower than ever before. And our best bets are next alongside Kayla Canaram and RJ Choppy. I'm Chris Mack, and this is BetQLU. This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris, and Kayla here on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Back to BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. We already talked about the biggest total of the week on the board, but there are a couple other big ones to talk about. We'll get you some of those big numbers. And the lowest total in college football betting history. That on the way as well with some big and little numbers, plus our best bets of the week as well, alongside Kayla Canaram and RJ Choppy. I'm Chris Mack. This is BetQLU. Thank you for joining us, whether it's watching the video stream on YouTube or Twitch, twitch.tv slash BetQL, whether it's listening to us as a podcast, which you can subscribe to and download on your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, or listening to us live on Odyssey or anywhere in the country on the BetQL network. We appreciate you joining us. Every Friday night, we are live, 11 Eastern, 8 Pacific, and Saturday morning, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, as we roll through our previews of all the week's biggest game. And occasionally, a couple weeks at a time, we like to get you a little Heisman heat check. C.J. Stroud, still the favorite, guys, plus 130. 9.2% of the bets in the Heisman market are currently on C.J. Stroud. He is the betting favorite, way and above anybody else. Hendon Hooker of Tennessee, uh, has fallen back down a little bit, uh, at, down to three to one. If only he would have beaten the Bulldogs. Drake May, fast riser, all the way up to five to one, the North Carolina quarterback. He's thrown for at least 280 yards in every single 
heels game this year. Then you get to Blake Corm, six to one, six straight 100 yard games on the ground. Bo Nix dealing with that injury we talked about earlier, Oregon quarterback, uh, from 50 to one before the season, all the way up to eight to one now, or down to eight to one, I guess. He's had nothing but big games since the Georgia loss leading up to the Washington loss. And then he gets to Caleb Williams, Stetson Bennett, Bryce Young. So, um, any. Anybody that still has value in this market for you guys? I, I I like Drake May, and I love watching him play, and I think he's fun to talk about, but I don't think he can do enough between now and three weeks from now to necessarily win the Heisman. Arjun? No, I, I don't think there's anybody with, with, with a tremendous amount of value. I mean, I mean Hooker at 3-1, to one, I mean, that's, that's, that's better value than basically even money. Uh, and if you think that he's got a shot to win it, and I think he does have a shot to win it, then, then you can place a bet there. I'll tell you, I, I, you know, last week, I know you, you didn't want to run up the score on you and everything, but with every single handoff running touchdown, I died inside a little bit. Because uh, I was trying <laughs> to pass too. that. What TD yes. passes. What TD passes and TD rushes. I don't even want TD rushes because I don't think the voters, you know, these voters, I mean, half these people who vote for this thing aren't smart enough to look at TD rushes. They just look at the overall passing numbers. So I didn't uh, – any, any kind of running TD, I'm dying inside a little bit with Hooker. Kayla, is there anybody on the Heisman board that you like besides C.J. Stroud right here? I am right there with R.J. I like Hinn and Hooker. Um, I wish – I don't know if you guys – does not playing in an SEC championship maybe hurt his chances? I think um, so, yeah. But, or then yeah. again, not even making the playoff. I would love to see him make a run for it. But at the moment, yeah, it looks like C.J. Stroud's – Heisman to to lose yeah um and that's again he's he's been the odds on favorite really since the start of the season I mean uh, the interesting one to me that has fallen way down is Bryce Young we know he's dealt with injuries but he's also just looked human at times he's all the way down there at 33 to 1 now after starting the season at plus 350 all right speaking of some big numbers biggest spread of the week Washington against Colorado Huskies laying 31. Colorado's bad, real bad, though. 2-8 and eight against the spread. 0-8 oh against the spread when the spread is 17 or more, as this one is. So even when there are big spreads, they fail to cover them. I think I, I like Washington to cover this one. They're flying high, coming off the Oregon win. I think there's an opportunity to, for them to kind of bully Colorado, rub their dirt, their face in the dirt, I should say. You guys have any interest, Kayla, RJ? I'll I'll go right there with you, Chris. You'll take it. All right. Good. Oh, we're split. We're, we're split. Every every time I take one, it doesn't hit. Every time I don't take one, it does hit. So. <laughs> well, now I don't feel man, so. Thirty's just a lot of points. Thirty's <laughs> a lot of points. I know Colorado stinks, but man, it's a lot of points to take. And you just wonder, like, yeah, uh, they they use up all of the, they use up all of it last week. I mean, they, they watched in. I mean, that was a really good performance they put on. Uh, I mean, I, look, they obviously are going to win this game. Colorado's terrible, but 30's a lot. I could see Penix getting loose for a couple, though, chucking up a couple deep balls that hit, and before you know it, it's one of those. You know, it's one of those games, almost like like USC kind of toyed with Colorado in the first quarter last week. I could see it being, you know, 10-3 at the end of the first quarter. Oh, my gosh, why is this a one-possession game? And then... Washington ends up going off in the in that middle eight that every talks about everybody talks about the final four minutes of the second quarter and first four minutes of the third quarter they put up like four touchdowns and before you know it it's forty two to ten and everybody's going yeah no problem we had thirty one all the way uh, smallest total of the week how about this the Iowa Hawkeyes Memorial Offensive Futility Award 
coincidentally enough, going to be awarded to the Iowa Hawkeyes this year. 32 and a half. It may get worse next weekend when they play Nebraska, but this weekend, Iowa at Minnesota, and it's going to be cold for this one in the Twin Cities. Game time temperatures in the teens, wind whipping around at about 15 to 20 miles an hour. The total, 32 and a half. Iowa has Mm. faced six totals this season, under 40. They've gone over the number just twice in those half dozen opportunities. Yes, they're two and four to the total in six totals of less than 40. There have been two totals set at 34 in college football history. Those both went under. I think this 32 and a half, as crazy as it sounds, Kayla, this may go under as well. We could have a a classic like 13 to 7, 13 to 10 kind of game here. I like the under. As you mentioned, weather is going to be a factor. And then that stat about 234s in history, both going under. Let's take the under. RJ, you with us? Come on. Team under. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll go under. Iowa. Iowa's terrible. Pound it right there. There we go. I'll take the under with you guys. Like the Army Navy <laughs> game, like you just can't go. You can't make the number low enough. Yeah. And I don't think you can make the number low enough when it's outdoors in Minnesota and it's Iowa. I don't. I don't know the number can go low enough. Yeah, and I'm curious. Again, I mentioned the Nebraska game next week for Iowa. If they should hit the under against Minnesota this week, we know how you know. Talk about offensive futility. Nebraska right there with Iowa, the Big Ten West, the home of offensive futility. I mean, those two could get together for a total set at like. The opening total could be like 30, 31 next week between Iowa and Nebraska. That's going to be something to watch. Largest total of the week. We talked earlier about USC, UCLA sitting right around uh, 76. Other than that, you got Houston, ECU at 67 and a half. We always like seeing uh, AAC games go over the total. Number five, Tennessee at South Carolina. We talked about them earlier. That total at 66. I actually like the under in that one. We'll get to that in a moment. And uh, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Bedlam, the total in that one set at 66 as well. I don't know if you guys like any of those totals over or under. I know we talked USC, UCLA earlier. Any of these other ones stick out to either one of you? Uh, Kayla, any of these totals? Obviously, I've got to go my Big 12 matchup, Bedlam, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. I like the over of 66. RJ? Uh, Well, just remember, unders favor the underdog. And that is not good uh-huh. for my volunteers. So I would hope to go over on that one. I would hope to go. Over. I've got some. Re- I've got some reasoning for you on that in just a moment, which brings us to actually our best bets of the week. And Kayla, I'll let you start. What do you got cooked up for us as far as a <clears throat> best bet goes this weekend? You're out in Southern California. Is it one of those Pac-12 elimination chamber games? Is it? Is it sticking by your Missouri Tigers? What do you got this week? Well, speaking of those Missouri Tigers, Chris, I completely, your zinger went over my head earlier. Uh, I was checking a stat. We're also three hours behind over here. I'm just waking up, but that was very rude. That Vanderbilt comment, (laughs) I appreciate it. Uh, Guys, stop me if you've heard this before. There's going to be no no. more Mizzou for me. You heard it here first. If I utter their name ever again, just tell me to go home because I'm drunk. They're dead to me. Not really, but at least for the rest of the batting season, they are. I was so confident in them covering against Tennessee. And, of course, our defense was finally just, like, done. They've carried us all season. And Saturday is when the defense said, you know what, we're done here. So, sorry for misleading the masses. On behalf of the University of Missouri, I apologize. The end. Um, But this time, I'm going to be going with another Tigers, and that is the Clemson Tigers in this Miami game. Give me the first half under of 24 
because aside from week one in this past weekend, the Hurricanes have played in some pretty low scoring games. And this time they're doing it against a defense who is top 20 in efficiency. I think Clemson will keep Miami out of the end zone in the first half, while the Tigers have only had three games in which they've scored three touchdowns in the first 30 minutes. So I like the first half under of 24. I like it. RJ, your best bet or bets of the weekend. What do you got for us? All right, I got a couple for you here. Give me, I like Illinois. Yeah. We've already talked about that. Illinois plus the yeah. 18. Uh, I also like Navy plus 16 against Central Florida. Okay. Uh, so I like, the, I like the middies there. And then finally, it's a very tough place to play. Tough road trip. Give me West Virginia plus the seven and a half against K-State. Interesting. Okay, I like that. Yeah. We're K-State uh, fighting and scratching and clawing for that Big 12 championship berth. Uh, if they were to perhaps lose. I know you're taking West Virginia points, but if that thing's close, that could uh, that could lead to a lot of tightness uh, in the little apple this weekend. All right. I mentioned it to you earlier, RJ. I know you said unders favor the dogs, but here's the catch with number five, Tennessee, visiting South Carolina and the total set at 66. South Carolina's offense has been really unimpressive this year. They've hit 30 against just one power five team, and that was Vandy. Yeah. Shane Beamer admitted earlier this week on his coach's show uh, that the Gamecocks' top two running backs, Marshawn Lloyd, Christian Beal-Smith, they're both out for this one. So they're down to sophomore Juju McDowell, who's averaging only 3.7 yards carry this year. Okay, we add all that up with... Uh, Oklahoma transfer Spencer Radler being extremely underwhelming this year in South Carolina and pair it with a Tennessee team that I think, yeah, I get it. They're capable of beating this total single-handedly 66, probably if they really go off, but I think they'll jump out early. They'll let off the gas late, probably coast a little bit with a multiple touchdown lead. So I'm taking the under, I think this ends up being like a, 41-17 kind of game. You may end up sweating it in the end, crossing your fingers for a Spencer Rattler pick, maybe to keep the backdoor cover from happening, the backdoor uh, total cover. But give me Tennessee and South Carolina under 66. Are you with me, Mr. Valls, RJ Choppy? Man, I want I want high. I want I want the high scoring, but I'll, I'll stay with you because you make some good points. Uh, you know, All right, I like it. And we, need, and we need to have a defensive show in here. It's, it needs to be like 41 to 10. Okay, I'll take it. I like it. For Kayla Kinnair, for RJ Choppy, for our entire crew here on BetQLU, if you just caught the tail end of the show live, don't forget the podcast will be up shortly. You can go download it. If you listen to the podcast and subscribe already, rate and review. And don't forget, you can watch us on YouTube and Twitch as well. We'll do it again next weekend. Stay here for your home for wagertainment on the BetQL Network. This is BetQLU. This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris, and Kayla here on the BetQL Network presented by BetMGM. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.